What's up, everyone? This is Matt Vogt of The Lifestyle Practice. We're together with my partners, Derek, Steve, and Justin. We help dentists just like yourself achieve your goals and dreams through practice ownership. We work with clients in a number of different ways, including free content like this podcast, as well as our online TLP Academy with over 70 video modules and tons of other resources. And of course, through one-on-one coaching. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd love for you to like and subscribe or just pass it along to a friend who might enjoy it as well. Well, spring is here in Indianapolis, which seems to have everybody in a better mood. And I'm in a great mood today because I get to begin this startup practice mini series with you all. Over the next number of weeks and podcasts, I'm going to be bringing you a step-by-step guide on starting your very own dental practice from scratch. Topics like location, financing and lease negotiation, construction, equipment and supply, marketing, hiring, all of the puzzle pieces that you'll need to put together. Now, this is going to be heavily based on my experience in beginning my practice from the ground up and the knowledge I've gained along the way. A lot of that knowledge will include what not to do, if I'm being honest, because if it's something you shouldn't do, I may have or probably have already done it made that mistake, and hopefully learn from it. Now, if you're listening to this and you either already have an existing practice of your own or you know deep down you're the type to never want to start a practice from scratch, I still encourage you to keep listening today and throughout the mini-series. As I've said before on this podcast, and I firmly believe this, if you have a practice that you're trying to grow, whether it's existing or you started it from scratch, it doesn't matter. You are basically a startup, just a little bit further down the road. There are so many principles that apply to startups that apply to existing dental practices as well, especially those of a certain size that are still growing and have a ton of growth potential. It's no secret that we at TLP really encourage our doctors that we coach to look at purchasing underperforming practices that can be grown and improved. And honestly, I I know I'm biased, but I think the startup market right now is one that is ripe for opportunity and ripe for growth. But if you've already got a practice or you're considering buying one, still keep listening because a lot of what I think I have to say about starting a practice and growing it will still apply to you. Not only that, but having a better understanding of the world around you, in this case, starting a practice from scratch, is only going to make you a better practice owner down the road. Knowing what's possible And knowing what others or maybe even your competition are doing can only help. And who knows, you may find yourself wanting to start a practice from scratch after all, once all said and done. That's kind of what happened to me. If you're an avid listener of the pod, you probably already know a bit of my story in practice, but I'll give you a quick summary again today before we jump in, because I think it'll be helpful. If you want a full refresher and a bit of an intro to this mini-series and this podcast, go back and listen to episode 144, Thinking Like a Startup to Grow Your Practice, and that'll give kind of a good summary and a good intro. Anyway, the very quick summary is this. I decided I wanted to own a practice as soon as possible after dental school. I decided to do a startup after some thought with the help of a mentor that I had found while in dental school. I learned just about everything I could on my own about the business of dentistry and the business of startups while in school. When it came time to open the practice and after graduation, that mentor ghosted me and left me to fend for myself and just figure it out. 
And that was over six years ago where now my practice has nine team members, an associate doctor, and has grown year after year. I put that story out there and I keep putting that story out there, not to brag in any way, but just as an example that you can do this. What we do, we help doctors grow their practices and elevate their lives and careers. And I say these things because I want you to know that you can accomplish these things. There are so many resources out there now that can help you start your practice. I hope this podcast is one of them. In fact, I know it is. It obviously takes a lot of planning and effort and hard work, but it can be done. And although I'm biased, it's definitely worth it. And like I said, I think in today's day and age, there is still great opportunity for scratch startup practices. So let's jump right in. Today, for the first part of this mini-series, we'll be talking about location. If you're going to start a dental practice or buy one, you've got to pick a location. It is so, so important to find the right location for your practice. If you take nothing else away from this podcast or this entire mini-series, besides this one point, I'm fine with that. You cannot change your location once you've established it. And I know that's a very obvious statement, but it is so, so important to understand. There are tons of things about a dental practice that can be tweaked and changed, but you just cannot change your location. And you are locked in for a long, long, long time once you establish it. An analogy I like to use is that your location in dentistry is like the wind to a marathon runner. If a runner is running downwind with the breeze at their back, that entire race is going to be much, much easier and they're going to move move much faster. If the breeze is blowing into your face and you're running straight into the wind, it's going to be a grind. You're going to move a ton slower. In dentistry, a great practice location is like running downwind. And because I care about you, because I want to help you, I want you to be running downwind as much as possible. If you start your practice in a crappy location, it's going to feel like you're running into the wind. It's going to feel like it did for your grandparents running uphill both ways in the snow to get to school every day, right? So let's start with basics. When coaching clients through beginning their startup practices, I like to see a location that has at least 3,000 people in the area for every one dentist. Dentist to population ratios and other demographic factors should be something, in my opinion, that you're looking at before acquiring an existing practice as well. They're definitely going to affect your growth potential in an existing practice. This number is not rocket science. Some people will say 2,000 to 1 ratio. I would call that the bare minimum. I like the idea of 3,000 to 1 more, and obviously, higher than that is better. In my location and in the locations that I've, I've scouted for others, I think it's possible to find this and to find better. So because of how important it is, I think this is something you don't want to compromise on when you're looking for a startup location. But dentist to population ratio is not just the only factor that you need to consider. And looking at that ratio is where a lot of people stop. But I think you've got to look between the lines at a lot of different things that are going to affect your ability to grow and have a successful startup. Some other questions that you should be asking yourself and questions I ask myself when I was starting my practice are things like this. What is the growth potential of the area I'm looking to be in? 
is it in a growing location or is it in a, in a location that's dying uh, where the population is shrinking? What's the population density? Am I drawing from a ton of people in a condensed location in an urban area or is everybody spread out? And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. When are these other dentists in my area open for business? Let's say you're looking at that ratio and you're counting a dentist who is open, I don't know, two days a week. And they have a tiny little practice that does basically no dentistry. Well, in my mind, that's not someone that you will be, quote, competing with when trying to grow your practice because you're not even in the same ballpark as each other. What insurances do those practices take? If you're going to be a PPO-based practice that takes insurance and a lot of those practices in your radius that you're considering are not thinking the same, then there could be opportunity there. Is your location in an area of town that has a lot of daily traffic or is it kind of tucked back on a side street? Does your ideal patient even live in this area? All of these questions contribute to helping you run downwind once you start your practice. When I was narrowing in on a location here in Indianapolis and doing the legwork to start my practice, I created a spreadsheet. And what I did was I took the population information within one, three, and five miles. There's tools online where you can draw radiuses or <laughs> radii <laughs> around a location and count the population in that area. And you can also, if you're looking at a specific commercial property to lease, a lot of the time they're going to have that information for you. In fact, I'd say all of the time they'll have that information for you. So I have the population information and within those radii, I plotted out every single dentist that was in business. I plotted out their names. I noted down their hours and made notes about the questions that I just mentioned, their PPO participation, the quality of their marketing and their websites, those types of things. I even called a few of their offices to see how soon I could get an appointment and to get a vibe of how they're answering the phone and how they're practicing. What I found was a spot that had the following statistics. Within one mile of the location that I was looking at, there's a population of about 5,000 and there were four doctors. So pretty dense doctor to patient area. And the ratio was only 1200 to one. Not great. But when we stretch out to three miles, there was a population of about 35,000 and 11 doctors. So a ratio of about 3,100 to one. And then at five miles, 83,000 people, 26 doctors, once again, for a ratio of about 3,100 to one. So I saw over 3,000 to one. I also saw a, a median income in that five mile radius of 110,000. And some of these other factors I'll tell you about as well that led me to choose this location for my startup. A big intangible of these stats that swayed me to the location was that I was choosing a spot in the second fastest growing zip code in Indiana. And this was would have been seven-ish years ago that we were looking at this spot. And so lo and behold, over those past seven years, it's grown immensely. And that definitely helps to keep pushing things in the right direction with growth of my practice and where we wanted to go. 
there were other intangible factors too. And these are things that no report is going to tell you and really no one's going to find for you. You're just going to have to dig and find them for yourself. A couple things I noticed when I was running this report and just doing this research on my own was that the websites, the marketing, the ability to schedule online, just the 21st century type stuff, internet age stuff, was not being done very well by a lot of the doctors and the practices within my my radii that I was going to be drawing patients from. So I saw that and I and I thought, well, there's opportunity here for a practice to begin and make things easier for patients to schedule. So I've always been big on that. And whether you're starting a practice or you have one right now, that's something that I think is really, really important is make it easy for patients to schedule. You know, let them schedule online. Let them send you messages. Let them text you. Let them call you. Break down any sort of communication barriers. Because even in the last five years since my practice opened, it's amazing how much more difficult it is to get in touch with people. We all ignore every phone call that comes through our phone, unless it's from someone we recognize. We get so many spam texts. We're always on do not disturb. So it's just so important to make things easy for patients. That was one intangible that I saw with this location. Another thing I saw where a lot of the practices were one doctor, long-term, well-established practices that didn't seem to be offering, I guess, a full suite of bread and butter services. A lot seemed to be established for quite a while. I'm sure they have a great recall patient base and we're probably just doing a lot of fillings, crown and bridge and referring out a lot of other procedures. My goal was always to have a two doctor practice. It was always to be doing specialty procedures in my mind, what I would call bread and butter procedures, but things like placing implants, doing endo, doing orthodontics, clear aligners, doing removable. And so I saw that and I thought, you know, in this area, if someone's looking for that type of dentistry, I think there's an opportunity here. And I was correct. A huge part of these intangible factors is going to be PPO, fee-for-service, Medicaid, payer participation. Your model could be completely different than a dentist who's parked literally right next door to you and you both could thrive. That actually happened with my practice. It was a bit of a horror story. Literally a week after I signed the lease on my space and we began construction and that ended up taking over a year actually, or close to a year, which I talked about in, in that previous podcast. But the week after I signed, there was an empty bank literally right across the street from my practice. And they began construction as well on a dental practice at the same exact time. So you could imagine as this is happening, I'm freaking out a bit as a very, very, very young dentist. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, there's going to be two practices now in, in this one location. Well, this was a small group, a small chain here in Indiana. And as we both got to constructing our practices, I realized, you know, what their model was. And their model is kind of like that of the corporate dentistry world. And my model was very much a private practice model. And so we've both been in existence and I think they're doing well. They're nice people and we share supplies and help each other, but their model is just totally different than ours. And that's important. We are not both private practices, PPO and fee-for-service, seeing that exact same 
patient pool. And so when you're looking at these other practices around a location, think about the patients that they're seeing. Think about your ideal patient. There might be some overlap there or there might not. And if there's not, then there could be great opportunity. It was a little too far from where I wanted to live. But at this time, I was looking at other locations and considering what to do. And right around when I found the location for my practice, I was evaluating another on the south side of Vindy and found a commercial real estate property for lease with the following stats. Within one mile, there was about 4,000 people and one dentist at the time for a ratio of 4,000 to one. Within three miles, get this, there was a population of about 42,000 and only two dentists. Yes, the ratio within three miles of that practice was 20,000 to one. And within five miles, there was 95,000 people and 24 dentists. So the ratio went back down to about 4,000 to one. Still great, still awesome. In fact, I wonder sometimes what would have happened if I started a practice there. But I tell you that because finding a pocket like this is possible. Even in a pretty big city like Indianapolis, you've just got to do your due diligence. And if you can find a pocket like this, or even just an area of three to five miles that has a good ratio and has good intangibles, you can start a dental practice here. And I just want to reiterate again, remember, it's not just about dentist to population ratio. There are so many other things that you need to consider and be thinking about and looking at. And I'm just going to go down the list here and rattle off some of those things. And, and I hope that this helps and gets you thinking. For instance, population density, super important. Look at, let's have a magical example here. Let's say that you're driving out to the middle of a cornfield and there's a small town with 4,000 people there and no dentist. And you say, great, there's no dentist here. So if I set up shop, there's 4,000 people here for me, that one dentist. But what happens if another dentist starts up a practice there? Immediately, your patient pool potentially gets cut in half, right? Versus if you find an area, let's say for another example, there is 40,000 people in a radius with 10 dentists there. Well, that's the same ratio, right? It's the same 4,000 to one ratio. But if someone else comes in and establishes a practice, well, then there's 40,000 people for 11 dentists, which is about a 3,600 to one ratio. So still a great ratio. And everyone around is not as affected by that new dentist coming in. So when you're comparing two locations, all things being equal, it's better to have more people within those radii than to have less people. Travel time is another thing that we should be looking at when looking at locations. It's not just about distance from the practice. City practices could have patients who don't want to walk more than a few blocks to go to the dentist versus a rural practice where people would drive tens of miles to come see that dentist. It's for that reason that you should really be looking at drive time and travel time and not just the distance around your practice. Honestly, that's something I would definitely do differently if I were to run my demographics over again, instead of just circles around the location, I'd be looking at the drive times because 15 minutes one way for my practice is into like a suburban area that's stoplights and stop signs and it's just a pain in the butt. And then 
the other way is a more rural area. And we have patients who will drive like 15 miles in 15 minutes to get to the practice. So it's not just about distance. So look at travel time. That's really, really important. And something that I've learned over the years is that it's just as important as distance. Look at dividing lines or dividing geographic factors in the area as well. My practice is right along kind of a main thoroughfare, not a highway, but like a four lane road that's pretty busy. And there are train tracks right on the other side of that road. And I will say that for a lot of people, they stay on one side of the train tracks or the other. It's just kind of a pain because you can get caught. There's a train that runs through every day and we have patients all the time who get caught on one side or the other. But it's just kind of like a a psychological geographic dividing line. Just look at those. and, And like I said, no report is going to tell you these things. Look at key employers and look at their insurance participation. You know, if you are considering going to an area with a one massive employer with one massive insurance plan that they take or that they give to their employees, you're probably going to want to be in network with that insurance plan. But then think about your downside too. What's the health of that company? Is that company on the ropes? Because if they leave that area and all of those patients and employees leave, then you might be in trouble. And so you want to protect your downside and make sure that you're not relying on, in my opinion, that you're not relying on one employer or one specific insurance plan. Think hard about urban versus suburban versus rural. COVID was a great example of of this type of thinking. Before COVID, at least in Indianapolis, people wanted to live downtown. I'm not saying this is like totally, totally changed. But since COVID, downtown Indianapolis and a lot of urban areas are not quite as bustling. I think a lot of them have recovered, but at least in Indy, a lot of people who wanted to live in those areas have since moved to the suburbs and work from home has changed the dynamic of that as well. And I think that's probably had an effect on practices in those areas. So consider that too. Consider the the dynamics of your specific location and, and city. Another thing you want to look at is car traffic. And you can get this information. There's websites where you can find out how many cars are you know, going down the road every day where you're looking. But the more cars that are going down the road and seeing your signage and seeing your practice, the better off you'll be. Like I said, we're on a pretty busy road and there's not a day that goes by where I talk to a new patient about how they found our practice. And it's usually something like, well, I drive by every day. I saw your, your practice and then I got your mailer or I drive by every day and then I saw your ad on Facebook. So it certainly doesn't hurt to have that location where people are seeing your front door every day. If you want to start a practice in a place that does not have the population ratios I mentioned above, honestly, I, I would say you've got to have a really good reason to do so or prepare to grow much, much more slowly than you could have in a better location. A lot of large desirable cities or suburbs may fail this basic demographic test unless you can find a pocket that has good demographics, like I mentioned before. But a lot of the time, if you're wanting to live in one of those places, I would say, what's stopping you from living in an area like that and then driving maybe 20 to 30 minutes away to a better location for your practice? That's what I do now. I live 
kind of in downtown Indianapolis or close to the city. And I commute outward to my location, which has a little bit more favorable demographics. And I think that was the right thing to do. And it certainly works well. I have a friend who purchased a practice in a very large city a few years ago, and he was trying to grow that practice. But the demographics of the area around him were very, very bad. I think it was like 500 people to every one dentist. And his growth had to be very calculated and it took a lot of time to build that momentum. He had to spend a ton on marketing. He just had to work his butt off to try to find new patients and grow that practice. Now, I'm not sure if he looked at that information before he purchased the practice, but this is why this doesn't just apply to if you're starting a practice from scratch. This is going to really affect your ability to market and grow and find new patients, which are the lifeblood of any practice that's trying to grow. Now, if you're thinking about where to begin to even find a location for a practice, here's what I would be doing in 2023. If you're locked into a general area like I was for Indianapolis, I went to undergrad here, went to dental school, met my wife here, and we just knew this is where we wanted to be. Start doing your own research about that area. And on top of that, I would definitely be getting a professional demographics report completed to help you run the numbers and help guide your search. There's a number of different companies out there and you can find them pretty easily and they've each got their pros and cons. But look at the population statistics in the area, compare that to how many dentists you see in the area, do some of this work yourself and start to think about where might be a good area for a dentist. A lot of the time, this is going to be pretty obvious. You're going to see those areas that are very desirable to live in. And I'm not saying that you can't start a practice in those areas, but you're going to notice where a ton of dentists congregate in your area and your city. There might be opportunity for you to go there as well, but there might be other spots that I guess seem less desirable to be, but could be a great spot for a practice. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for that edge. And if you think you've found an area that could work, just start driving around. When I was in dental school, I basically just drove around the entire city here in Indy as I was looking for a location to start the practice. I had a few like suburbs, zip codes that I thought might work. So I just drove and I would spend a couple hours and just look for open buildings for lease or new construction of shopping centers, just areas where I felt like, hey, a dentist could be there. And this is very much a feel thing. It's an intangible thing. There were some spots where they had good demographics for a new, new dentist. But I was, as I was driving around, I just couldn't find a spot that seemed suitable for like me to open my doors. And I didn't want to compromise on the space that I would be leasing for my practice. I didn't want to be tucked away on a side street. And so I had to kind of bag the idea of going to those specific areas where I just couldn't seem to find the right piece of property. In my area, something that swayed me was a very large supermarket chain, Meyer opening right down the street from this building I was looking at. And at the time, it seemed kind of like, well, why are they opening there? It was kind of in the middle of a field. And like I mentioned, it, it, we're a growing area. But I saw that. And in my brain, I said, okay, these people, this massive corporation has found an area of opportunity for 
their business here, I think that they have some confidence in that store's ability to succeed. And so it was just one more intangible factor that I said, you know, if they think they can succeed and they're opening this massive, massive building, I think a dental practice can succeed here. Plus, that was going to draw a lot of people across the train tracks from the other side of town. It was going to draw a lot of people to come right to where my practice would be and it would be convenient for them. And when I drove through and looked at this building, it was at night. And I noticed that you would be able to see the storefront of the building from both ways driving down the road. And I knew I could put a sign up there that was going to be so big and bold and lit up that you really couldn't miss it. And I knew from the feel of the location that it was going to work. And I thought, if this were a dentist here, would I go see them? And the answer was yes. There are some people out there that will tell you that visibility doesn't matter, but I'm a firm believer that visibility matters. Men, you should absolutely be looking for a location that has eyeballs on it every day. And if you have that, you should have the biggest and brightest sign allowed by your city code and let people know where you're at. I'm not saying you can't succeed with a building that's not on a main street or it's you know on a back road. But once again, all of these factors help you to run downwind, like the example I mentioned before. Why make it hard on yourself? You can find these retail locations, these areas that are next to stores that people go to and and frequent every day to get more eyeballs on your practice. And that's going to help immensely as you grow your startup. Even if I were to buy an existing practice, I would be analyzing a lot of these same things. To kind of wrap things up, I could go on and on about the nuances of location. But if you take one thing away from this podcast today, whether you're starting a practice or buying one, Focus on, think about, analyze, and do not neglect your practice location. It is the single most important factor to set you up for success in ownership, especially when you are starting a practice from scratch. Talking about location only scratches the surface of this mini-series. Like I said before, over the coming episodes, we'll talk about financing, lease negotiation, construction, equipment and supply, marketing, hiring all sorts of fun things, all the things that I think you should be thinking about and really diving into before you start a practice and before you buy a practice for that matter. I'm excited along with this mini series to be bringing startup coaching to the table at TLP. I'd love to help guide you through this process and set you up on the path to success. But if nothing else, I hope that this podcast and the entire mini series brings you great value and that you can take something, even a little nugget of information here or there and apply it to your own journey. As always, email me if I can help. Email me if you're ready to elevate your career and your life with a coach by your side. My email is matt at thelifestylepractice.com or visit us at thelifestylepractice.com to learn more about what we do and reach out to my partners, Justin, Derek, or Steve as well. Until next time, cheers. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, yeah.